0: what's going on everybody happy wednesday and welcome to with her two hands the podcast formerly known as trades lady happy hour if you've been following along this is a series that used to live solely on instagram now has found a new home here on youtube and anywhere podcasts can be found so make sure you hit subscribe to follow along and you can still catch all of the past episodes on Bogey's garage on instagram all of the links will be in all of the information down below this video once it is posted up after the live stream but we have an amazing guest today i'm super excited uh, and honored that she has agreed to join us for tonight and uh, and just a great person to have for our first episode here on the new platform. So uh, Hannah Lutri, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correct. She's uh, she's nodding her head in the background. So yes, I got it. Um, She uh, started out thinking that she was going to go into a totally different career. She has a bachelor's in sociology, and now she is a heavy diesel technician. She calls herself a troubleshooter and And that is exactly what she is. She's a diagnostic tech, and she troubleshoots everybody else's problems and figures them all out, and she's had quite an interesting journey. I'm really excited to hear her story, how she got to where she is, and just hear all about her challenges and struggles and wins along the way. So we're going to add her in in just a few moments. I do want to thank you guys for coming on over to this new platform, for tuning in and following along. And of course, I want to thank our sponsor, Drive Time for helping continue to make this series possible for their continued commitment to bringing new people into the trades and supporting particularly their female technicians and bringing more women in and helping them find their home within the industry. So big thank you to them. Big thank you to you guys for tuning in. And without further ado, I'm going to bring in our lovely guest for this evening, Miss Hannah Lutri. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. You at home or are you still at a somewhere at work? Oh no, I'm at home.
1: It's eight o'clock at night here.
0: Oh geez. That's <laughs> where in the country
1: are you? Uh currently located in Georgia. So. In Georgia. Okay. Is that where you're from? Uh no, I'm actually from Maryland by way of England, by way of Maryland. <laughs>
0: Maryland by way of England.
1: Okay. By way of Ta- Maryland, yeah. Ex- ex- explain me. <laughs> so my parents are both uh were they're both retired government employees uh, Okay. Department of Defense and PCS went which is permanent change of station um when I was 5. Oh. So I was born in the US in Maryland and then at 5 moved over to the UK and lived okay. there for Four years as a kid. Oh wow! Came back to the U.S.
0: Interesting. Was there? Did you? I mean, you were young at the time. Did you notice like a big difference in like the educational system between the two?
1: Oh yeah, because I was in the British system. I didn't hit the American system until I was nine years old. Okay. So was it a
0: was it a shock coming to the
1: (laughs) U.S. system? Very. Uh, I actually had to teach myself cursive because that was back when <laughs> cursive still existed. Did they still teach that in school? <laughs> they stopped, figured out it's a security risk and put it back in. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because okay. it's a lot easier to forge a printed signature than it is a cursive signature.
0: That is That is fair. All right. <laughs> So, okay. So you originally wanted to do sociology?
1: I was planning originally to follow my maternal grandmother into social work. Okay. Um, so I got a degree in sociology and actually started a master's program for social work.
0: Okay. And then what <laughs> happened? What, what
1: happened? <laughs> uh, ADD struck and... <laughs> Um, I figured out I'm really, really good at stuff or I'm really, really bad because I couldn't care less. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so when you
0: care, you're really good at it when you don't care.
1: When I care, I get a 4.0. When I don't care about it and have no interest in it, I flunk. Okay. So, So were you flunking and that's how you figured out you just didn't care? I really cared about certain parts of it. And the program I was in was so strict, you couldn't have anything less than one B in the program, oh, wow. in my master's program. And I was flunking one class. So I couldn't carry on. And I was, in fact, told, you know, we've never had this happen. You're great. You're just not interested in research.
0: Interesting.
1: And I ended up I got withdrawn from the program and my best friend from college called me. She's like, hey, I just moved to Georgia. I need a roommate, do you wanna move to Georgia? Okay. (laughs) Sure.
0: (laughs) Okay, just on a whim, all right.
1: (laughs) Thankfully, my parents made the money and could support me until I got a job down here. But yeah, I literally picked up the phone, called my parents and said, hey, can I move? To Georgia and they're like sure so no questions asked they
0: weren't like uh you had a plan what's happening nope. no now questions just asked dropped out of the program on a whim moved to Georgia with no plan yep I love it <laughs> is this common for you or was this like an outlier for you being totally oh, out
1: there no my life is usually pretty planned out years okay. in advance <laughs> it's how I work um And so, no, this was a whole big, like, 180.
0: Amazing. And and they weren't shocked. They weren't like, what is happening?
1: (laughs) They were kind of like, what is happening? But right at the time, I was 21, 22. Okay. And so just kind of figuring out, when I went to grad school, it was the first time I'd lived on my own, Without anyone around, my closest friend was over an hour one way away. So I was really just 100% on my own. My parents actually weren't even in the country. They moved back to the UK at that point. Yeah. Okay. And um, so they're, and again, thankfully, they're financially stable. They could afford to allow me to go off and try something. Yeah. And uh, just my mom's always been extremely supportive. So is my dad. And so they're just like, okay, this is weird, but yeah, let's see where it goes. (laughs)
0: So, so the plan was to get to Georgia and be this person's roommate. Did you Mm -hmm. have plans to enroll in school at that point? Did you know that you were going to do a total change in your career path too? Had no idea. Okay. So how did the rest of this story
1: go? You get to Georgia I get to Georgia, I move in with my best friend who's still my best friend. Um, even though she's just moved state, so she's now in South Carolina.
0: Oh no. I live closer
1: to her family than she does. Of course. <laughs> and um she, I mean, I got a part time job, worked retail. Okay. Which I will never do again. <laughs> and then and they're done that and I'm with you on that. Yep. Yeah. And then started looking for a full-time job and ended up with a recruiter and ended up going to an interview for my first company I worked with in the diesel industry, Okay. Uh, PAI, actually for a sales position. Okay. And they're like, we love you. We don't think you'd be good at sales, which I agree <laughs> okay. with. But they're like, we think you'd be great at warranty. Okay. So I ended up interviewing for a second time, actually, with the vice president of that company and getting the warranty admin job.
0: Interesting. And you had no experience or background in any of this. This was just a a random recruiter job that turned up.
1: Yep. And I happened to be relatively good with computers Good at analyzing data that comes in Um, and really good with admin and customer service, which is a lot of what warranty work is over the phone. Yeah. So once I got into that right now, I'm dealing with diesel parts, heavy diesel. PAI is an aftermarket heavy diesel parts manufacturer. Okay. And they specialize in Mac diesel. Oh, okay. So I started seeing failures after failure after failure, talking with engineers, figured having to do analysis, deciding whether that's warranty. Is it not warranty paying customers, dealing with suppliers and just started getting, remembering the love I'd had as a kid with mechanics and working with my hands and all of that, which I'd never pursued. Interesting. Because no one in my family is mechanically inclined at all. Where
0: where did that interest, I'm going to go down a little bit of a tangent real quick. Where did that interest come from when you were younger and like there was just no opportunity
1: to explore it? Not no opportunity, but right, both my parents are computer programmers. Okay. They don't even change their own oil. Have no idea how any of that works. <laughs> it's a foreign language. If I talk about it, um, my mom's an artist now. Mm. Works. She's does stained glass and all sorts of artwork. Oh, how fun! And my dad does history and all of that. Okay. My brother's a bartender and a philosophy major. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But even outside of that, like my grandmother was a social worker. My, her husband was a gym med teacher. Okay. Um, so so just, really no influence. No of influence the trains. at all.
0: But you remember it intriguing you when you were younger.
1: Oh yeah. I was obsessed with looking at cars, figuring out how they worked, watching car shows, Always being into anything mechanical, wanting to figure out how things worked. I was always into it, but there'd been there was no one around who was into that. So there was no real inlet. Yeah. Into that trade.
0: Was that when you were like young, young, like back when you were in England, in the UK, sorry, or, or um, was it in the
1: States when you were a little older? I only really remember it in the States. I had a friend who went the vocational path in high school while I was going the college path. And she went down into the mechanic route into all But right. We weren't real close, but we were close enough. We were chit chatting and we would talk cars. And I had a lot of guy friends who were into cars.
0: Okay. Were you tempted then to, to explore the trade school and high school path? Mm -hmm. Like she, not, it wasn't. No, announced. didn't
1: even register really. Like I was into it, I talked about it, but I never really even yeah. thought to pursue it.
0: Yeah, interesting. I find I find that so interesting. I feel like I I hear that often from kids, not just women, but like like kids in general. That when they were younger, that they like I know it was the same for me. Like I just didn't really even like click that that was a career path that I could go on because like college was the thing, right?
1: Like oh yeah. That's how you made money: was go to college, get a degree, make money, right? Right. Get a philosophy degree and become a bartender, right? (laughs) No, offense to your brother. (laughs) He's he's honestly one of the best bartenders I've ever met. Uh, That's awesome.
0: (laughs) But how many folks aren't using their college degrees? And you know, it's probably uh,
1: most of them.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm not. Although you probably are to some degree because you're dealing with you're dealing with technical and you're dealing with people.
1: Yeah. I mean, I went the sociology route, which is just the study of society. Yeah. It's the scientific study of society. So it helps working with people who don't have a degree, don't have maybe that college education or even some high school education. Yeah. and being able to figure out how to bridge that gap especially when it comes to diagnostics absolutely
0: okay so speaking of bridging gaps we're going to jump back over to this story <laughs> so so you're you're hired as a warranty administrator for a diesel parts supplier Man, manufacturer exactly, yeah. manufacturer exactly. okay and how how do you now become a hands-on technician
1: i' I've never fully been hands-on. I'm more hands-on at my current job. Um, okay. I've always been. So at PAI, I would do failure analysis, and I'd have to do some in-depth. I wrote failure reports that could be 10 pages long with detailed photos explaining how the engine failed, why it failed, how you can correct it in the future. Um, so I had gotten really into that part of it. Okay. And without having any sort of mechanical knowledge, that's kind of difficult to get into. Yeah, no, that's impressive that you were doing that without any mechanical knowledge. And I did that for about three years. Oh, wow. Before it going to school. And I finally was like, you know what? I'm tired of not knowing anything when they call him. Like, I didn't know what a camshaft was off the top of my head, let alone what it did. Interesting. And I'd have someone call and go, hey, my camshaft failed, you know, the lobes are flat, I'm hearing knocking, you know. Or, hey, my engine blocked, I flung a rod. What is a rod? You're like, <laughs> let me go research that real quick. <laughs> yeah, like, right, and I'm having to carry on this uh, technical conversation with no knowledge. I love it. And my mom was listening to me bitch about it. And she actually researched local diesel colleges, oh, local cool. diesel programs, and found Gwinnett Technical School, which okay. where I was living at the time was a five-minute drive away. It was 10 minutes from my job, and it was a single-year program. Now, it was, I think first semester was 16 credit hours. Okay. Second semester was 18. Okay. Okay. So it was full-time school. Yeah, And on top of that, right, I'm still, I can't take off work to go to school. So I ended up pulling 40 plus hours at work plus a full school load. So I I was at work by 8 a.m. Monday through Thursday until 5 p.m. At 5.45, school started, class started until 30, 11 o'clock at night. Oh, wow. Then I'm getting home, doing homework, going to bed one, two in the morning, getting up the next day. My lunch breaks were taking tests, doing homework, reading textbooks, any spare moment I had, I had my head on a book. Oh, wow. But clearly you wanted it, right? Like This is one of those situations where you
0: did want it because you Graduated with a 4.0 and you're doing all of this all at the same time. Like what about it spoke to you so much that you just were like, yes, this is a job that I want to continue pursuing a career. I want to continue pursuing enough to go do this program and get good at.
1: It's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said, I love it. (laughs) That's really what it is. It's like, it's fun. It's a workout. It's when I get frustrated with people on the phone I can go get my hands dirty. I'm still at work. I'm still working. Right. But I've you've got that physical outlet. I've got the mental outlet. It was, it just turned out to be a good mental and physical combination. That's awesome. (laughs) So do you you were the
0: first girl in this program at the school? How
1: how was that? It's a boys' club. (laughs) Just like (laughs) real world, it's boys club. I was also one of the older students. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was doing with a lot of 18 year old boys and who are trying to prove themselves. (laughs) Uh, I was
0: in a similar boat when I went to tech school. I was a little older than everybody. So I I feel your pain, but let's tell the folks at home a little bit about what that's like.
1: (laughs) It's a lot of Dick
0: measuring? <laughs> <laughs> but both, both literally and metaphorically.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, you've got the kids yapping at you. Try and pull the, hey, there's a girl here. You know, I bet she can't do that. Yada, yada. Mm. And I think one of the funniest moments was where I started getting a little bit more respect in school. Because my instructor, my main instructor... Knew I already had three years' experience in the industry at that point. And I was dealing with failure analysis solely. So I already had more knowledge. I'd never worked on a car. Yeah. But I knew more about diesel trucks and how they could fail than these kids had ever seen. Right. And at one point, we're working and we're working with a grinder, one of the first experiences with a grinder. And kid walks up guy walks up and he's really tentative doesn't want to put his hands too close which i get and i just look over at him and go grow a pair get over yourself and grab it and do the job (laughs) and the entire class just goes dead silent (laughs) i get (laughs) him. yeah crickets And then they just burst out laughing. They're like, even the chick told you to grow a pear. <laughs>
0: Everybody's perception of you changed at that point, I'm sure.
1: Oh, yeah. I wasn't. I was one of the guys. I don't mince my words. I cuss like a sailor always have. I was raised around military. <laughs> I, I'm just one of those. I don't care. Yeah. I was there to get my education and I don't care who else is in the room. That's awesome. And the
0: instructors, how did they treat you? Or
1: <laughs> I'm still really good friends with uh, Johnny Stallings, who is the main instructor for the diesel program there.
0: That's awesome.
1: We are, I was actually texting him earlier today. Nice. I go back, I, I think I'm one of his only students, if not his only student, I've been to his house. We go out drinking. I'll meet him after class a few times, go out for beer. So we have a really good relationship. He's become less of a teacher, more of a mentor. I mean, he's been in the, he's retirement age, mid seventies, I think at this point. Wow. That's awesome. He's been around and forgot him probably more than I'll remember. So was he cool with you right from the get go? So I actually went and chatted with him before even applying to the school. Okay. I actually purposely arranged to go meet him and chat with him um, Smart. because I do know how rare it is for women to be in that industry, let alone one go to school and try to get hands on. Yeah. And I figure if I went and talked to him, I would have a better chance of getting in. He would get to know me, get a better feel, which yeah. I think actually did increase my ch- my ability to get into the school. That's awesome. Very smart move. How, so you just researched
0: and figured out, like, who it was to go talk to.
1: Oh, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, He's the director of, he wasn't the director, but he was the main teacher and still is right now, I think main teacher of that program there. Oh wow. In his seventies, he's still the
0: main teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Is he looking at retiring anytime yeah. soon? Poor guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he is. Um, he's floated the idea of maybe me doing some teaching there. I the was South gonna South ask, I'm like,
0: is there an opening or you might gonna maybe fill those footsteps
1: of those shoes? I can <laughs> say maybe in a few more years, but Okay. I've gone. I've taught a couple class. Ended up teaching a couple classes on electrical and reading schematics. And fair enough. <laughs> don't trust anyone else to do your reading. Double check.
0: <laughs> Amen to that. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So mentors is something that we like to talk about a lot on this series. So I'm I'm curious for for others out who might be listening that the men in our audience. We always try to like to. Define and like, kind of give clarity around like what what made him such a good mentor. Obviously, you've st- you've become friends with him at this point. You stay involved and um, and have built a great relationship. But from the from the get go, like what made him a good mentor?
1: What his willingness to take the extra time and explain things to me. I actually would stay after class, and he was always willing to stay after and continue teaching or explain something. Let me get hands on if I couldn't get hands on during class and just his absolute willingness to do that. Now, some of the other, there's usually only one other teacher in that program at a time. So there's only two. Okay. And the other one never really gave that same sort of time to me or anyone else. Interesting. Okay. So it wasn't a gender thing. He just wasn't
0: down for extra time.
1: No, he wasn't a full-time teacher. He was just coming in to do a couple classes in the diesel program after his own full-time job. So I get it. Everyone's tired at the end of the day. (laughs) Fair. You're very generous. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Was it ever, like, did it ever feel like you were the first woman in that program, or was it just a non-issue?
1: Oh, no. It was definitely very obvious. (laughs) Um, Sometimes watching Mr. O or the other teacher, you know, stumble across a couple words, it took me cussing in front of them to realize it was okay to cuss in front of me. (laughs) It's just like, you know... It's the 2000s. Get over yourself. It's not that big of a deal. (laughs) I've heard curse words before. It's okay. (laughs) Not only that, you're in a technical school. If I was worried about that, I wouldn't be here. Right. (laughs) So there was that. There's just like the way some of the guys would act and the teachers are like, I don't know how to respond or handle this. So I did a lot of kind of handling of some situations between me and the other classmates myself, which I don't ever expect anyone else to handle that. So. Fair. How about silly things?
0: Like, did they have uniforms? For oh, no. you, did you what did you have to do for that? Did you wear men's uniforms?
1: We didn't have uniforms, it was oh. just whatever clothes we wore. Um,
0: well, that's nice,
1: <laughs> yeah. I personally just wore whatever I'd been wearing to work that day, which my company preferred business dress. But I'm like, I'm out in the warehouse tearing things down, I'm not wearing business dress. No, tell me if someone's important is coming through and I'll throw on something nice, but. Otherwise, I was wearing work pants, steel toe boots anyway. I was wearing t shirts, shirts I didn't care about. So when I went to school, we
0: had to wear uniforms and they did not have girls' uniforms. So I was definitely wearing boys boys' stuff. It was not flattering <laughs> or comfortable, but have, really.
1: But they have better pockets. So they do. What
0: is up with that? I don't know why do women's uniform shirts not have pockets, and why do women's work pants not have good pockets? Explain to me why
1: women's jean pockets are about
0: this big, right? Because we're not supposed to carry anything of substance, apparently.
1: I'm sorry, I carry at least at least one knife at all times. No, (laughs) I need my pockets, damn it. I now wear the loof trading work pants on a routine basis. One of them even has a sharps pocket. I'm like, nice. <laughs> there you go. So
0: so in school, this is a, now it's an 18-month program, you said?
1: It's a one full college year, so spring. Okay. So fall, spring semester. Okay, awesome. And then when did you do the skills competition stuff? During the school. So during- okay. So skills, I was I competed in their post-secondary competition. So you have to be in school. Okay. So at that point, I'd only had a full semester <laughs> of wow. schooling when I competed at SkillsUSA. Crazy. Diesel. And took third in state. Third in state. I'm pretty sure I am the first woman in the in the state of Georgia to not only compete, but to medal. And I think I'm the first woman in the country at skills to medal. Oh, wow. In the diesel. In diesel. Yep.
0: Category. That's impressive with just a semester under your
1: belt. Yeah.
0: Very impressive. So clearly like this was
1: your path. You were on the right path. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't even really given the option. I was told you're doing skills. And I'm like, wait, what?
0: For anybody at home who might be listening who isn't familiar, can you explain what
1: Skills is? Skills USA is a state, then national, then worldwide competition for the trades. So you'll see police competitions, EMT competitions, welding, construction, anything in the trade. So any technical school. Course, they have a competition in. Okay. So it's not real well known outside of the trade industry. And I don't think a lot of people, I've run into a ton of people who are like, wait, what is skills? And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a skills competition. Nice. So what do you, so you did like a, is like a regional and then it goes to state. So there's like multi. So you do state. And then it goes national. So to even get international, you had to have placed first in Ah, state. Okay. So they want the best of the best. And then it's every single first place winner in the country who competes at nationals. And then they do hold an international competition within the first places from every country that holds a skills competition.
0: Okay. Very
1: cool. Now you've gone back and you've done stuff with skills since, right? I've actually I was the judge not this past skills but the skills before that. I was one of the judges in the di- for the diesel industry competition. That has to be a really cool experience to be a part of. It was definitely very cool. Um we did have another woman compete again from my technical college. So Nice. So there's she, been
0: more after you. you. You paved
1: the way and now there's more following yeah. in. Trickle leaning through, I think she's been the second. So after me, I think there was one woman who didn't make it through the program, she withdrew. And then the woman who competed at Skills, she actually completed the program. And I think she works at Bobcat now That's as awesome. a technician.
0: Do you Do you feel like you had
1: some part in kind of creating that path? In some ways, because I know, like, my photo is actually up at the school. And I know I've done a couple talks with some of the um, admin at that school regarding my experience going through the program. And I've definitely shared my information with them to give to potential female students who want to go into the diesel industry. Um, haven't gotten many, if any, comments that way, but I know at least they know I'm willing to talk. Yeah. And so I think that helps a lot.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of courage to like reach out if you're like still exploring school to be like, Oh, I'm going to talk to this other person. That's like so much cooler than me. Like, you know, like all that intimidation, but just knowing that there was someone before you, like,
1: it's oh, yeah. it's huge. It definitely helps. I mean, it's definitely scary going in, knowing I'm the first one to do this, and yeah. oh my god, how is it going to do? How are they going to handle this? Yeah. But
0: So, was there ever any hesitation on your part when you when you knew that you were like the first to go through when like, or is this just in your nature that you're like, I don't care, I'm gonna do what I want?
1: <laughs> it's in my nature. Um, okay. <laughs> It's kind of in my line. My mom did some really cool things in her job that paved the way. Nice. My grandmother was actually invited to speak in China as a social worker before China was open to the public. Oh, wow. So it's kind of been in the line. Um, I'm related to some of to Francis Perkins, who was one of the biggest women in the government uh, especially at her time, that's
0: incredible. So you come from you, courage comes naturally, right?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> courage bred <laughs> into you. Uh, right, I'm going to do what I want to do. So.
0: I love it. <laughs> Were there any points in your journey where you doubted the path?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, looking at it, going, how the hell am I going to juggle full time school, full time work? Right. That Not the logistics
0: the, of it though, huh? Just
1: the logistics, just the amount of work, knowing how much work it was going to be. Um there has been a lot of times going what the hell am I doing? Even though I love it, there's been a lot of what the hell am I doing here? I still have those moments. <laughs> I I don't think they go away. <laughs> <laughs> There's also been a "What is my life?" moment. So I think that's
0: also the human experience, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of "What the hell am I doing?" But also, and, you know, and then the psych up of you know what? Fuck it, I enjoy this. Why not? Okay. What What keeps you at this point? It's a lot of just personal, you know, I enjoy it. I still enjoy it. I deal with stupid people. I'm always going to deal with stupid people. I work with, thankfully, my current job, I adore the group I work with. My boss, who unfortunately is no longer with my company, he left a year or so ago, Okay. was a great boss. And one of the best managers I've ever had. And That's so, awesome. having him in my corner for the first three years at the job I'm at now, where I went from diesel to now I'm playing with every sort of engine out there. I'm doing hydraulics, electrical. I play with 80 volt forklifts. I have, right. So, I'm dealing with so many multi systems that I've never dealt with or been trained on and having and to just learn as you go. Having to learn as I go and I'm doing it over the phone. I can't even see what I'm talking to someone about.
0: You have you had at least hands-on experience or the opportunity to get hands-on with the
1: things that you're Oh, dealing yeah, with on the phone. I work in a distribution center. So okay. I still handle some warranty and some failure analysis, but I've moved completely at this point into troubleshooting. That's my entire job. Okay. So So, tell me what a day looks like for you doing troubleshooting. So, oh, how do I explain this? (laughs) (laughs) So it could be I get a phone call. I get an email. My company also has an instant messenger. Okay. That's available on our website for dealers because I work at the OE level. So I work okay. for original engine manufacturer.
0: Okay.
1: And I will get a call from a technician in a field in the field going, Hey, I have XYZ issue. Here's the model and serial number of this forklift I'm working on. I tried ABC with no results or I can't figure it out. What the hell do I do now?
0: <laughs> I I have to pause you for a second cuz for anybody who doesn't know like what diagnostics on mechanical things is like. I mean, the people who are normally the technical support that you call into, like those are the folks that have Generally, years of experience, hands-on, mm-hmm. doing the work in the field. And when they're ret- ready to retire from the field, the best of the best become the technical support for everybody that's still out in the field. Like, that's, like, the height of things. Yep. And this woman right here <laughs> was just like, I'm going to skip all that.
1: Mm-hmm. I have the least <laughs> amount of experience in the field out of my entire group. And I'm That's the youngest. Incredible. A lot incredible. of the people I work with have either worked on forklifts for 40 years and I turned 35.
0: Oh, my goodness. So they've
1: been working on stuff longer than I've been alive. And Was there any? My age. Did
0: you get any, like, do you get any resentment or pushback from that?
1: Thankfully, no. The, like wow. I said, the group of guys. And it's been funny because... A few of them I've dealt with as dealers before they ended up hired at my company to do now their jobs. And so I've dealt with them as a technician. Now I'm dealing with them as a coworker. And some of them had never even dealt with me at all before they got hired. And they come into the main office where I work because I'm the only one in the main office. Okay. Everyone else is a field technician. So they actually have a territory and work out of their homes in their oh. territory. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so I work at headquarters and I cover whatever region has someone out, someone can answer the phone. So I am so unlike my regional guys, I answer the phone for everyone. <laughs> but I've had a couple of them come in and hear me take calls and listen to how I deal with guys who've never worked with a woman before in a technical sense and listen to how I overcome that or because I'm usually the one training them on how to do this. Nice. So, and, so how,
0: do, how do you handle that? Because I'm sure that, you know, there's a lot of women who are watching. I know from the comments, we've got some ladies in the audience for sure, and more that will be listening after. Um, you know, who deal with that, deal with men, either, you know, coworkers or customers who have never
1: dealt with women in the technical sense before. How do you handle that? Sometimes it's uh, there's nothing I can do and they won't listen to anything that comes out of my mouth because I couldn't possibly know anything. And in that case, usually I just sigh and give them to one of my male coworkers because I'm I've got 7,000 technicians. I don't have time for this. (laughs) I love it. And so, and the other ones who will accept it. So I answer my phone a very specific way. I tell you, hi, thank you for calling Do some product support. This is Hannah. How can I help you? Yeah, I need to talk to technical support. You You have it. How can I help you? Oh. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right <laughs> always
1: <laughs> okay fine
0: <laughs> I love it and if if they're weird about it but they're not like you know need to talk to a man
1: kind of folk do you, do you... I happily help them I've had guys come back who refuse to call their regional now They point blank will not call their regional. They will call me first, even though they're meant to call their regional guy first. They'll call me and tell me, no, if I call you, I will get the answer the first time. And I know it will be the right answer. That's awesome. And you will answer the phone, answer my email as soon as you see it. That's awesome. I love it. Which definitely helps. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Got to win them over, right? That's all you can do. If they'll give you the you chance win all, to win them over, but
1: some of them you can. And if yeah, it's very much a nice, it's a breath of fresh air when I get to talk to one of those guys who knows I'm not stupid, knows I know what I'm talking about, right? I and won't listen to me.
0: Yeah, what a concept. <laughs> So we've got a question from the audience I want to ask. I think we've kind of hinted maybe at it, but um, Brutus350 is wondering, where do you see yourself in
1: five years, Miss Hannah? I actually just had this question from my boss. I don't have (laughs) a specific plan these days. Um, I've been enjoying what I'm doing. At this point, if I stay with my current company with Doosan, um, I want to move up into a regional position. take over a territory, start doing dealer visits and do more fire putting out, as we call it. We put out fires. Mm -hmm. Um, Going to customers directly, helping on stuff. Because right now that's the main thing I don't do. I don't do dealer visits. I don't fly out to a customer and go work on site with a technician. Okay. So that's the one thing I don't do that I think would be kind of fun. It would be interesting to see how it went the first few times, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting.
0: So, so now you're, you're in the office, mostly you're dealing with these calls, things that you may have never worked on. Do you, you, so a technician calls you and they have an issue. If you don't know the answer, like, do you have the opportunity to go like try out something and test it on a physical thing, or are you in an office office?
1: No, I'm in an office with a warehouse. So our office is actually located in a warehouse. Okay. We've got about a 1,000 forklifts out there right now. Okay. If not more, um, to the point where we can't all come into the office because there's not enough parking anymore. But- So, yeah, there is, I can go out and try things um, by hand if I need to. I've also got, you know, 80, 90 years experience from my coworkers. Yeah. And so if I don't have the direct answer, I'm usually like, hmm, don't know. I've given you everything I know. Let me talk to a couple people. Let me go try some things and I'll get back to you with an answer.
0: How many technical support calls are you dealing with like a day on average? So
1: calls, um, probably I'm less than I used to. I was at one point up to 20, 30 calls a day. Oh my goodness. Um, now it's down to probably 10, 20. Okay. Some days. Are they? higher, like more challenging. Is that why? Or no, it's, we've got more people. So we've been filling out our product support team. So now we have more people. So I'm not having to take on as much load. However, email wise, I've got the highest number of emails and product support outside the manager. Wow. And I run probably two to 3000 emails a month. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So, there's been times I've been working on three different types of forklifts via phone, email, and instant message all at the same time. Oh my with goodness. Three different technical problems. And you're often going back and forth like, okay, check this,
0: check this.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'll be actively on the phone as they're checking something, I'll be typing out with them. I've taken over people's computers occasionally. When they're oh, that's hooked cool. up with software via team viewer to see what they're doing. So Okay, so
0: here's a question for you. How often is it a, like a software issue or a hardware
1: issue? Like percentage-wise, what do you find? Mostly electrical issues. Okay. It's not as common to see a mechanical issue. Usually, a failure we see is in the electrical system somewhere. If that's actually a failure, with um, whether it's an actual physical failure of an electrical component, whether it's something like water intrusion, (laughs) whether it's just something as simple as someone got a couple wires broken or Forklifts have very, very, very small amounts of space to work in. (laughs) The engine compartments look a little crazy and are about yay big. And you've got gaps (laughs) about yay big. And so wires do rub occasionally. And finding that sort of thing, I mean, anyone working with anything with an electrical system, yeah my favorite test, have you tried a wiggle test? Right? It always
0: sounds so silly, but it is like such an important test. <laughs> Especially if it's
1: intermittent. Right. Like, wiggle some
0: stuff, see what happens.
1: Just grab that harness and wiggle it, jiggle it, whatever you want to call it. Do the wiggle test. Let me know if the fault comes back. Right. It sounds so untechnical, but it is like so such a crucial part of diagnosis. Just wiggle it, see what happens. <laughs> well, on the fun one is with intermittent. Yeah, so I can't get the problem to happen. So what do you want me to troubleshoot? (laughs) I want you to use a crystal ball. Like you want me to troubleshoot a perfectly good working forklift. Well, it's not perfectly working. Um, Does it have a fault? It is right now. (laughs) Can you get it to fault out? No. Okay, so what do you want me to troubleshoot? (laughs) I understand the customer is mad. Great. (laughs)
0: Okay, so we have somebody watching who's asked the question, and I was I was interestingly thinking the same question. Like, what has been the, the craziest, most interesting, or like weirdest thing that you've had
1: as a problem to troubleshoot? Maybe not a problem to troubleshoot, but the number of people who can't figure out how to check a battery. Really? Yep. And these are technicians in the field? Yep. I've had someone No start Won't turn on No crank, no start How many volts are your battery? When you're cranking What? Are you serious? Oh yeah, dead Dead serious I had to explain to him It's just like your car Well, I didn't think it was Because it's a forklift Sir, it's still got an engine A transmission And a powertrain It's just like your car Fascinating. We're telling you you have eight volts and you want you expect that to turn over. That's so fascinating to me. For some <laughs> reason, the fact that it is a forklift or a piece of machinery, the basics get forgotten. It's the first question I try to ask is how many volts, how many cranking volts do you have? Don't tell me it's got 12 when it's just sitting there.
0: (laughs) That's fascinating. So are a lot of the techs in your experience that you're dealing with, are they are they coming from other types of careers? Are they working like are they auto mechanics that switch into doing forklifts or
1: honestly? I have no idea. At this, some the best techs I've found so far have been former military. Who work on the craziest stuff? Makes sense. But we've had, at this point, there's such a lack of technicians. Yeah. That some days it just feels like they're grabbing whoever the hell they can to fill a space. Yeah. But I mean, I think it, they
0: are. I, I don't no. think you're wrong there. There's such a lack, and it's so it's hitting. It's it's across all it's all everywhere. industries.
1: I think the last number I heard specifically for the diesel was two thousand techs needed that's That's actually not not bad in comparison to us <laughs> with the other industry. But, but yeah it's crazy it It's insane, and not only that, I know a lot of our technicians that I've dealt with. We work with some rental houses, okay. One day they could be working on an excavator. Or they could have specialized in heavy equipment. And now you're asking them to work on a forklift with things they don't know anything about. Okay, And that's one of the first things I'll get told from some of these texts is, I've never seen this before. I've never worked on this piece of equipment. Interesting. Okay, that's fair. Which we'll I'm give like, them the
0: benefit of the doubt
1: there. Which I'm like, <laughs> that's fair. Um, but it is terrifying when you have someone call you for an electrical forklift that's 80 volts. and they can't figure out how to test the battery with a voltmeter. There's been a few times I've had to stop myself from going, please step away from my forklift. (laughs) I think I've yelled at a technician once. Oh, my goodness. He terrified the hell out of me. It was someone who'd never worked on diesel. Uh Oh. And modern diesel, you do not mess with the common rail while the engine's running, he cracked the high-pressure fuel lines with the engine running. Oh, no. I almost had a heart attack. It's the only time I've yelled at a technician over the phone. And I said, you are so fucking lucky you did not go to the fucking hospital doing that. Because we run, I mean, those common rails, the pressure relief valve on that is set to so bar, I deal in bar because I deal with, I work for a Korean company. It's all metric. Okay. It's 1800 bar, which is over 26,000 PSI. Yeah, that's no joke. No. I know people who have, and who, I mean, you could kill yourself. You'll put a hole through your hand. Yeah. No, that's I definitely. I mean, the turbo on a diesel runs at, what, 200,000 RPM.
0: I mean, when you think about it, that's kind of scary. I mean, you're describing a situation where, like, you've got people working on equipment that they may have never seen before. And they no. don't know this. I, no. I, I, I wouldn't know that. I also wouldn't probably try to work on a forklift because <laughs> I, I know that I don't know these things. Um, but, but that's that's dangerous.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, some of these pressures are terrifying. And yeah. I've worked with guys who've worked with old school diesel, which is all low pressure. Right. It's the modern diesels that are running such high pressures. And so old school, yeah, you could crack the fuel lines and see. Right. These days, if you crack a fuel line, you want to crack one of the return lines to see if your injector's bypassing. But you never touch those high pressure lines. And when we were doing training, we always expressed very sternly, you do not crack these lines you don't even crack them for about 10 minutes until after the engine's turned off. You wait for it to depressurize before you even touch those. Because it is getting so high pressure and so much more dangerous to work on if you don't know anything about it.
0: I'm learning new things, so this is awesome. I love it. Um, (laughs) So somebody actually just recently asked, and I'm curious if this is it or if you have others, the most difficult situation that you've been in? <laughs>
1: was that it? Or do you have? That's <laughs> probably one of them. Um, just for the pure sort of, oh my God. Yeah. Like,
0: he Any... could have gone to
1: the hospital and I was on the phone with him. Like, it's terrifying. Totally.
0: Any difficult situations, gender related, as uh, being a woman?
1: Oh, yeah. I had my old boss have to take a call off my hands.
0: You want to tell us about it?
1: <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was one of the first ones I'd experienced. It was when I was relatively new to and I'd only been there a couple months. So I was still learning. And I had asked the question about the battery. Found out it was a dead battery. Okay. Didn't one listen to me. No, it's not the battery, it has to be this. It's the battery. And my boss walks by and hears me. And he goes, Hannah, takes the phone, listens for about two seconds, puts his hand over the phone, puts it away and goes, nope, he's a redneck, he'll never listen to (laughs) you. Tells him the same exact thing, verbratum that I just told this guy. Guy, listen, was happy as a peach and went on his way. So crazy, isn't it? <laughs> and I've had other, I've had other um, techs do that and I've handed it off to their regional, who's a guy. I had one technician I got fired up with because I was trying to tell him something about, we have a service portal. So on that portal, you have to be one of our dealers, have to have a company email because it's got all of our service manuals, diagnostic softwares, anything you need to troubleshoot a forklift from our company is on that website. Okay. And I was explaining something to him about his access because I seem to have taken over controlling access to that site. And he was arguing with me. And we have two different portals. So we have a dealer portal, which has parts, warranty stuff, and then a service portal. So they're separate makes sense. And I was trying to figure out which site he was talking about. <laughs> Would not listen to me. And he finally goes, no, honey, I know I have access to this. I don't know who the you are. So I hung up the phone and I walked over to my manager and I went, Are you fucking kidding? So and so just called me honey. Honey. Like (laughs) I was his little child and like I felt like I'd been pat on the head and dismissed. And I'm like, First of all, ew, don't know who you are. (laughs) And I'm from Maryland, I'm from Baltimore. I use Sweetie and Hun but not at work. It's not professional. And I don't want to be talked to like that. My boss went off and actually called the dealer principal. So he called the owner of that company. Oh, wow. With the technician's name. I love how much support you have
0: in your company. It is so awesome to see like especially as the first woman to be in that position that your, your team has just been so open and supportive and has your back all the time.
1: I don't think I could have gotten and maintained in this position without that support from them. Amen to that. Yeah. It makes a world of difference. It does. I've been in a position where my manager wouldn't support me. Yeah. Where I had a manager actively, cutting me down. And I left. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. At the end of the day,
0: you're not going to keep us if you don't treat us well. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But I will go to the ends of the earth for a manager who will support me. Yeah. And I love
0: your, I love your attitude too. You have a phenomenal attitude. Like this isn't about me. This is about them. Like you keep going. And I, you know, I think about, you know, folks who may not have as, as like, confidence and strength as, as you've exhibited and like, had they, you know, so many folks would have just at that bad shop where they didn't have the support of management. Like not only would they have left the company, they would have, they could have left the whole industry. Right. And that often happens.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I know I sound like I have a lot more confidence, but some days it is fake it till I make it. Yeah. Some days it's, I have days where I'm like, you know what, I can't handle this today. And I walk out to the shop and go throw something out. Go do something I was, was going to ask you, how do you deal with that? How do you pep yourself back up? <laughs> I mean, okay. well, when you've got a bunch of stuff to throw out that needs to be scrapped, I mean, why not save it all for a bad day? There's nothing more amusing than throwing out a bunch of stuff and hearing metal hit metal. It's it's there. It is either. true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> are going and working on something that I've seemed to have taken over as a permanent job cuz I do still work out in the warehouse. There's a couple of things for a major um customer of ours that I'm the only one who does at my company now. That's so exciting. I install some I install some parts for a impact Sensing system that requires parts to be installed, programming. So you have to have a code to restart the engine and all of that. So I take care of all of that for just one customer. And I'm the only one in my company who does it. That's
0: that's incredible. You have you have worked yourself up to be in quite a phenomenal position. Your career has bit of fascinating trajectory. I love it. Um, And we have already blazed through our hour. I don't know how the heck, that happens so quickly. I feel like I still have a million more questions for you. Um, but I want to be respectful of your time. So I've got just one final question for you. And then we're going to let you go get on with your life. I know it's late there. Um, and you have work tomorrow. Um, so <laughs> final question is, if, if you had the opportunity to talk to the younger version of you or another little girl out there like you, um, what are your words of advice to her?
1: If you want it, do it. That's simple, huh? Just do it. I mean, that's what we told boys. Why not? Yeah. My mom wanted to be an architect, but women weren't architects. I wanted to be a mechanic. People weren't, women weren't mechanics. She didn't hear about them 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah. The only way we're going to get more women into the industry is to be loud and proud.
0: Amen to that. And please, I hope you know how much of a difference you're making by simply existing. I mean, you you pave the way for other people, other women in your school, at your job, at your last job, um, just by being visible, being you, by doing your job well, by impacting all of the lives of the technicians that you interact with and those that you work with, um, you are, you are part of the change and I thank you for being you and doing
1: what you do. Same with you, Bogie. Thank you.
0: Thank you so very much for joining us tonight. This has been so much fun getting to know you. Everybody at home, um, please make sure that you follow Hannah. Give her some love and support um, on the social medias. Uh, Leave your comments on this video once it's been posted. I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, And I thank you guys for coming on over to the YouTube side to watch this live and to join in and for all of your fantastic comments and your questions. And I know that we did a little giveaway contest today. Um, So one of you lucky viewers is going to be taking home, or not taking home. You're not here. You don't get to take it home. You will be getting delivered um, in the mail a very cool... happy hour glass. It might be slightly different than this one. These say Girl Gang Garage, but we're gonna get some with her two hands ones um, printed. So uh, we are going to do a drawing. Let's see. Right now, are we ready? Let's see who is the winner. Dun, dun, dun. It can't be us, no. With her two hands can't be the winner. We're gonna have to redo that. <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> that was not rigged. This is the the software behind the scenes. Is there a draw again? How do we do that? <laughs> um, all right. We're we're gonna figure out how to do that again. I'm not entirely sure what happened. Um But yeah, let's see. Okay, we have somebody behind the scenes who is going to be doing the drawing again. So while that is happening, um, I want to again thank our sponsors, Drive Time, for help making this series possible and helping us to make the transition over to YouTube and to podcasts everywhere. Uh, All of the past episodes are starting to populate up on all of the podcasting um, platforms. So Spotify, Apple, Google, um, I All of them. I can never think of all of them, but you can get them all. Uh, there's probably about 30 Annie's VWs. Yay. That's a much better winner. <laughs> Annie's VW is our winner and Annie is actually, hopefully, going to be a guest sometime in the future here. We've been chatting offline. I would love to get her on as a guest to share her story with y'all. Um, so yay very appropriate winner. All right. (laughs) So make sure you're following this series on the podcast streaming option of your choice. Make sure you're subscribed to YouTube so you can catch all of the future live streams. We will be from here on out with her two hands, posting live every Wednesday right here on YouTube. Same time, New place, new name, but same great content. We're gonna be hanging out with another incredible tradeswoman next week. So make sure you tune back in. Thank you all for being
1: here for the this of a week. Get to yourself, get to